Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with God. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I'm so glad you tuned in to hear Deborah Torres' God story. Psalm 119, 105 in the NIV says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. As a wife, mother of five, and a published author of two Amish fiction novels that are part of her Willowbrook Secrets of the Pen series, with another one on the way, Deborah has had to rely on God's word for insight, understanding, and strength. She also works at Liberty University as a web content specialist. I first met Deborah when we were both master's degree students at Regent University, and God has done a lot in her life since then. She has so much to share with us. So welcome, Deborah. Hi, Jody. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's fun to see all that God's been doing with you. Before we jump into your God story and how he led you into writing, give us just a sneak peek into what your first two books, Forbidden Gift and Forbidden Truth, are about. I am super excited about these books and the fact that they are a, a they have a trilogy, so I've got a, another sequel along the way. Um, just the story continues. So uh, the story really centers on a primary character, Johanna Yoder, and she is a young Amish maidel, which means that she's an unmarried woman, a little bit older, uh, didn't marry when she was younger. She is a writer, so she actually writing is banned in her uh, Amish district by an overbearing bishop. And so she actually secretively writes for a local newspaper under a pseudonym for two years before she's found out. And um, but when she's found out, she goes on a journey and discovers that uh, her Amish bishop has some secrets of his own. Very interesting. You know, I haven't really read much of the Amish fiction genre, but I'm an avid reader. So you're whetting my appetite. I'll have to check those out to be a good writer you have to have some life experiences to draw from. Mm -hmm. You can't just pull it out of thin air and, mm -hmm. and it be real. So take us back to your beginning, your once upon a time. Where did you grow up and how were you raised? I grew up in upstate New York um, near the city of Rochester. Was raised um, in a, a home. I had one brother and two parents in the home and uh, was raised Catholic. I knew of the Lord, but I didn't know the Lord. Um, I had a yearning and a desire to know more about him, but I didn't know him, nor did I really understand that I could have a personal relationship with him until high yeah. school. So how and when did you make that personal decision to follow Christ? Yeah. So I had a friend in high school that um, we just started hanging out and I just could tell something was different about her. Um, just even little things. One time we had a, like a little fight and she came to me later and apologized and said that um, as a Christian, she shouldn't have been acting that way. And I was like, what? As a, a, a Christian? You know, I mean, I, I heard that term and, you know, growing up Catholic, of course, you know, I hear Christian a lot, but it was re very real to her and very important to her to, um, to walk the straight and narrow because of her relationship with Jesus. She was really and, living um, that faith, huh? She was. I mean, we were 14 years old. There was one point where she invited me to a movie at her church. And I really thought we were going to see like a Disney movie. You know, I thought, okay, here comes another, you know, a Herbie the Love Bug or something. Here we go. And, but when we went, I noticed it was a very serious movie. It was um, a, called A Thief in the Night. 
And I want to say 70s is when those came out, because I think it would have been, I was in high school, so it would have been early 80s when we saw it. And it was corny then, you know, so it was um, not, you know, not, not the uh, the script, but some of the scenes were kind of funny just because they're trying to make, um, I don't know, it, it, the plot was funny. But, but anyway, I was there and um, it was really the first time I heard that there was an end times and that I needed to make a choice. And I, I didn't know that before. Um, it wasn't, didn't, maybe I missed that sermon or whatever, but I did not understand that. That when the movie was over, the pastor did uh, have an altar call. And I felt it so strongly in my heart that I needed to go forward. But here I was, um, probably 15 at the time, and scared to death. I never had heard anything about an altar call. What? Go forward in church? You know, you don't do that. You don't go forward, you know? And so I thought, I am not doing that. I am going to accept Jesus, but I will just do it here in my chair or at home. But I'm not doing this public thing. And, um, you know, as I've heard it preached before, sometimes it's really important to people to say so, you know, in front of a lot of people or in front of other people. And I I didn't do that. So it wasn't that monumental of a thing for me that first time around. But um, for what I didn't know at the time, The Thief in the Night has many different uh, episodes, you know, in their series. So I was... um, I didn't know. Lori invited me to uh, movie number two from Thief in the Night. And so I went and that was the one where I, I, I could not stop my feet from going to the altar. In fact, I remember there was a girl next to me and I was like, um, will you go with me? And she looked at me and said, no, I'm not going forward <laughs> with you. I thought, wow. Okay. I guess I'm doing this on my own. So I went forward and out there and just wept, you know, at the altar. Lori was playing the piano at the time and she, she came down right away, stopped playing, came down right away and just prayed with me and prayed the sinner's prayer with me right there at the altar. I can't imagine how she would have felt at that time. You know, you invite a friend, a high school friend to church and she receives Jesus right there on at the altar. And I have thanked Lori over and over again for, you know, that invitation. But anyway, that was, that was a monumental thing. And that was when, you know, just doing it publicly, receiving Jesus publicly meant something to me. And I think it meant something to Lori too, because she had a commitment to disciple me after that. Yeah. Well, I I remember those movies. I was a Christian already when I saw them, but it scared me to death. Some of those Mm -hmm. scenes, you know, Mm -hmm. I saw them when I was a little bit younger and Mm -hmm. uh, they made quite an impression, you know, but unfortunately a lot of people, you mentioned, you know, Lori discipled you, but a lot of people that respond to altar calls at crusades or events, they struggle to move forward in their faith. They don't really know what they're supposed to do. You actually had someone discipling you after that. Yeah. How did that happen? And what, what was that like? Well, it was interesting because it was a peer, you know, she was my age and she was my friend. So it wasn't like I was suddenly plunged into something that was un- really unfamiliar to me with an unfamiliar group anyway. Although I did start to meet Christians, which was interesting mm-hmm. to me. There was, I didn't know this, but there was a group that met in our public school before um, classes started and we were allowed to go in one room and pray. It was just a small group. It was just me, Lori, and this other girl for a while. And then it started mm-hmm. growing and then they shut us down because we were Christian. We weren't. And my horizon started expanding with more and more Christians, finding people who had professed faith who were my age. But, but one thing that Lori did 
was she gave me this little packet. And I remember that. And I remember, I probably still have it. It meant a lot to me. It was just this little packet that explained what I had done. Mm -hmm. But then there was a little contract in it. And in the contract, it really was explaining to me, you know, as a Christian moving forward, here are some steps that I can take to move forward in my faith and um, to grow in my journey with Christ. And one of the things was reading a chapter of the Bible daily. And I remember signing that thing, you know, as 15 year old, I signed that little certificate or document saying that I would, I guess, a contract that I uh -huh. would read the Bible a chapter a day. And honestly, um, Jody, I have kept that over 40 years, you know, I've been a Christian now. And I, you know, there are days, there are days when I, you know, don't do it. But as a general, part of my life is reading a, reading a chapter of the day. And I have been through the Bible, I don't know how many different times. I've started now, which is kind of cool. I've started reading different versions. For a while, it was always the same version. But now I thought, well, right now I'm in the message and um, heading towards the passion um, version, I think. Just getting a different perspective. I do that too. Mm -hmm. I started reading the New American Standard Bible. Mm -hmm. And then I moved mm -hmm. to the NIV and I'm currently mm -hmm. reading the, the new living translation with mm -hmm. some, some of the passion translations sprinkled in, but it does, it gives nice. you a whole new perspective. You know, I memorized a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. Bible songs when I was growing up and they were all King James version, the old God, you know, the old Bible songs. So every time I read those things in, a, you know, those verses in a new translation, it, it comes alive and speaks to me in a different way, right. even though in my head, the old yeah. King James Version is mm -hmm. running through my head as I'm singing it in my head. So mm -hmm. <laughs> having so many years of reading the Bible has really, I'm sure, grounded you in your faith and kept mm -hmm. you moving forward, as they said, mm -hmm. to move forward in your faith. It's so mm -hmm. important yeah. to read God's word. Yeah. And it never gets old either. That's the thing about God's word. It's living. So, I mean, it's just like you you could read through, you know, that chapter your whole life, but then something happens, you know, or the Holy Spirit is just pinpointing, you know, something in you. And it's like, what? You know, I, never, I saw that always, but now I just see it in a new, fresh way. Or that verse ministers to me in a very special way right now that I really needed, um, yeah. that I didn't need when I was younger, but now I do, you know. Yeah, I am amazed. I try to read New Testament and Old Testament together. And I'm always amazed at how very often, and, and I'm not, I'm not following necessarily a plan. Sometimes I do, but how often the New Testament and the Old Testament, what I'm reading, reinforce the same message, whatever the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to me that day. Your commitment to Christ took you to a Christian college and then a Christian graduate school where when you got there, it felt a little bit strange at first, but God had <laughs> yeah. some new things to teach you. So tell us about that. I went from Catholic to being born again and then spent um, time in the, the United Methodist Church with some friends. I had a friend whose dad was a pastor, so did a lot there as a teen and then went to college, uh, free Methodist college. And so whenever I wanted to go down to region, I wanted to study journalism and at a Christian school that um, had a master's program in journalism. And I found Regent University I remember whenever I was headed down there, I had a friend who looked at the brochure and he goes, you know what this means, right? And I was like, what? No, you know what? And he's like, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you know? And I was like, I had no clue what, what it meant or what differences it meant to the, the faith walk that I had already been going on. So I went um, and learned when I was there, the first couple chapels, I was like, what is going on? Um <laughs> But I, you know, as the, just like the Lord sent Lori to me, he sent a good friend uh, to me at Regent who really sat down with me and taught me 
uh, more what the baptism of the Holy Spirit meant, what it meant mm -hmm. to live a spirit-filled life. And really that part of me that that was kind of missing in my journey with Christ um, that I didn't know was missing. Um, but I noticed it once I was around people who had the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was like, I, I want that, you know, I want to go that, that deeper part of um, Jesus that I'm, that I'm not experiencing. So uh, there was a retreat one time at an assemblies of God church in the local area. And Rena, my friend took me to that. And after the retreat, I have had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and received the gift of tongues. And it was uh, an amazing, an amazing thing for me. Well, once you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did you notice a difference in your life or when you were reading the Bible, you know, God's word? I mean, how did you feel different? What did it change? I mean, people who may be not quite sure what that means, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit timid about what that would mean yeah. for their life. What did you experience? Yeah. For me, it was just depth, a deeper walk with Jesus, a deeper, mm -hmm. uh, a deeper way to him, a deeper understanding of his word. I went from shallow to deep. It's kind of imperceptible, but you know there's that deeper connection there. The mm -hmm. well within you is, is fuller even. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I went to a mothers of preschoolers group and there was this woman there and she, she walked up to me. I don't know how much time we'd spent together. Not a ton, but a little. She said, I just want to be around you. And I was like, what? She's like, I don't know. I just want to be around you. And I was like, it's just Jesus. I said, it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so I told her, she's like, I know, I know it's Jesus. But it was <laughs> funny because, you know, she sensed something deeper. She was a Christian, but she sensed something deeper. I think she was than what she had, you know, yeah. and wanted. Well, you know, when you read the Bible every day, the word of God speaks to us and it changes us. And mm -hmm. one of the scriptures that's an invitation for all of us is James one twenty seven, which says pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That somebody cares, we take that seriously, which is why we have a widows and orphan fund. Through our network around the globe, we care for orphans as well as widows who've given a lifetime of service to the Lord and who are in need. The challenges facing them in places like Haiti and Colombia, Nigeria and Ukraine and other places would be overwhelming without help. And as a company of women, we can do so much together to help care for them. So we invite you to join our company with a gift at hergodstory.org. Now, Deborah, while you were getting your master's degree, you also met your husband, Michael. Mm -hmm. And you've told me that you made a real impact on him. So how did yeah. you meet? <laughs> I prayed long and hard for that man. Boy, I just, I can't imagine. Um, the Lord just blessed me with him. But uh, yeah, so it was interesting because maybe just to backtrack a little bit. When I was in college, I dated a young man and we broke up right before um, graduation. Mm. And uh, he broke up with me and I was, it was really hard for me. And one of the things, one of the ways I, I don't know, coped or did something different was I started playing softball and I just something totally, I'm not even skilled in that. You know, I just, I mean, just wanted to do something crazy that I've never done before, you know? So I started learning mainly church ball, you know, softball. I just had fun with it. It was something different. Whenever I went to Regent, um, I learned that there was a softball uh, intramurals team that was starting up and they need coaches. And I was like, wow, I'm kind of new at this, but okay. So I was working at the library and we decided to make a team and we called ourselves the bookies, which we thought was a fun team name. So I remember uh, going to that, I don't know if it was our first game, it may have been, and meeting him, shaking his hand because he was the umpire. 
Uh-huh. And I was playing um, catcher and uh, I remember I kept missing the ball and it kept hitting him in the, in the shins <laughs> and I would turn around, you know, you're crouched down as catcher. And I turn around and look at him like, sorry. And then, so anyway, he'd be like, it's okay. But I tell people <laughs> that I made an impact on him because literally the ball kept hitting him in the shins. Yes. <laughs> so he was actually a student there as well. At Regent mm-hmm. or? Yeah, before I came, he was a student there. Um, he had graduated and was working at um, at CBN in their mm-hmm. international programming department. I'm not sure exactly what he was doing then, but he ended up being, a, I believe, a managing producer there for a while. So you had a pretty whirlwind courtship. You were married soon, starting mm-hmm. a family. In fact, mm-hmm. you had three little ones almost right away. So here you are with a master's degree and a mm-hmm. desire to write because mm-hmm. you're degree was in journalism and writing. And now you had your hands full being a mom. Um, And how did you reconcile that? What did God show you through that whole process? Sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, we grieve when we have a dream and we can't Mm -hmm. fulfill it. Uh, What was your experience? Well, one of the things was I was glad I had my education behind me. I was mm-hmm. glad I had, God had worked out my life in that way that I, I felt like whenever I was ready to go back to work, I wouldn't have to be like, oh, I've got to get a degree because I couldn't get a job. So I, I had my master's, I had, you know, that trek had started, but yeah, stopped for a while. One, one of the things is I spent a lot of time with my kids in the library. They'll, they'll tell oh. you, I mean, that was one weekly, maybe even more than that. We would go to the library because I just wanted to be around books. I love teaching them a love of learning and a love of reading. And they all are readers. All my kids are readers, but yeah, I would read a lot about writing at that time. I felt like this, that was the season. Maybe I could just study how to write. And I remember I took a class on writing uh, books. It was a what would be an online class now. But then we moved, when we moved to Pennsylvania, I don't know how this happened, but I was meeting with the editor of the local newspaper in the small town, small rural town where we were living. He was part of the school or something, and I was working with the PTO. And I started talking to him about wanting to write for the newspaper. That's what I was starting to want to write again. My kids were getting a little bit older and mm-hmm. I was starting to write again. And he said, he opened the newspaper and he said, this is what I need. I need another columnist that has a different perspective. And I, he's like, can you write a column? And I was like, sure, I can write a column. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to write a column. So I took it home and, um, and wrote it. And the first one, it took me a, a while. But what I did was I wrote about my kids and I wrote about God. And I wrote about what God was teaching me through family and um, through teaching me through parenting and, and gardening and things that I loved. And always bring it back to a Bible verse. So it ended up, he liked my column, but I think he decided that I would go on the church page. Okay. <laughs> I put you on the church page. I was like, oh, okay, I'll be over there. So I wrote for them for a while, but it was kind of cool because I would get, I forget what it was called, first rights or something, first printing rights. After the, the column was produced in their newspaper, it mm-hmm. became mine. So I could do what I want with it. So okay. I started a blog and I started, it was called, at first it was called my Christian devotional blog. And I would take my column and put it in the blog. And I did a lot, I was learning a lot of marketing and th- online things at the time. So I used a lot of tactics to try to get people to see it. But um, yeah, I mean, there must be a hundred blogs in there and I have them now on my author website, um, author of Amish fiction website, but I have my blog. It's called now the simply Jesus blog, but uh-huh. I, I go back. I was just looking at them even before we were talking, Jody. And I was looking and I was like, Oh, there's so many memories in there now because it's of when my kids were little. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I remember that. And 
it was interesting, but uh, it was a so, very special time in my life and a way to exercise writing while, you know, while being a mom. What did your kids think about being uh, the topic of your blogs or your, your yeah. columns? <laughs> my daughter would laugh and she'd say, mom, you could write you, everything, any little thing. I would like, oh, that, there's a column there. You know, and I start writing <laughs> and she's like, mom, look at that blade of grass. Is there a column there? You know, I was like, oh, she'd joke at me. Share one of your favorites. One of the ones, this one was a tough one. I was looking at it just earlier. It was talking, it was called, Will You Dance? And I had just read, I just watched the movie Courageous. And in Courageous, I don't know if you remember, if you watched it, Jody, but there's a scene where, uh, I don't want to spoilers, but um, somebody dies <laughs> in the movie and um, somebody regrets the time that he didn't spend with that person. She had asked him to dance at one point and he said, no, I'm busy. You know, I don't want to do that. That's embarrassing because it was like in a public place. And then um, she passed away and he realizes he wished he had that moment back. In my story, I wrote about an accident that my daughter had on a, we were on a bike ride and um, we were going on the rolling hills of Northwestern Pennsylvania, up and down some hills. I like to exercise. She not so much or not okay. at the time. And she was like, mom, I don't feel good. And I'm like, come on, let's go. We are here on a bike ride. We're going to do a bike ride. You know, come on. So she went ahead and she was heading down the hill and she totally spilled and oh. banged her. It was, I still have a hard time because I was behind her watching it. It was bad concussion, us in the middle of the road, screaming for help. She ended up having to get life flighted uh, to the children's hospital in Pittsburgh. She's okay now. She does have some gashes on her upper lip, but she's okay. We worked through a concussion with her and thank God mm. she's, she's fine. But I was able to kind of start sharing about that movie and the connection and how my daughter going through that made me realize just how important it was to spend time with her or my kids. Just, just those moments when they're like, Hey, can you, you know, braid my hair or, you know, can you listen to this? Can you listen to me recite my poem? My daughter, my other daughter yesterday, you know, can you, I have to recite this poem. And she had me bring it up on the computer and she's, reciting uh Longfellow for me right and you know I'm like okay taking a breather and listening to the poem and um, just those things always tying it back into the bible or just some sort of life lesson for other people and you were also living in the middle of Amish country when you were up in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what did you learn their lifestyle is very different from modern life here so mm -hmm. what did mm -hmm. you observe and learn and Mm -hmm. see in the Amish that yeah. sparked your interest. It was kind of interesting to be plunged into Amish country at that time. There weren't a ton of, it wasn't like you're living in Lancaster, but there were some, you know, we would go to the, this one remote, more remote grocery store and there was um, the buggy parking lots and the buggies would be there when we were walking past and I'm pushing the cart and the kids and the horses are there. Uh, just beautiful. But, um, and they'd be, the Amish would be shopping in the stores and Walmart, the Amish would be shopping in Walmart. So that was a kind of new to me because I didn't have that in Virginia Beach when we lived there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that really fascinated me. And around the same time, I started reading the Amish novels. I just kind of was like, there's something very clean about the Amish novels and most of them, not all of them, but mainly the ones that are in the category of inspirational Christian fiction. There's mm -hmm. something clean and refreshing about them. Um, that you don't get anywhere else. And I remember I would read, and I read a lot, um, but I would read the Amish novels and then I would be like, oh, I'm going to read something else. And then I'd be like, 
I need to go back to Amish country again. And then I get another novel of Amish country. My husband would tease me, you know, another bonnet book. You're reading another one, you know, yes, <laughs> I'm reading another one. So I just got really fascinated with the subculture. Unfortunately, I didn't know any Amish. I was telling you earlier, I think that at one point I was like, I'm just going to go find them. And I had a friend who told me what road they lived down. And so uh-huh. I'm in my van, my minivan with my daughter in the car seat in the back. And I'm like, I'm just going to go find the Amish. And I started driving down this road and it gets more and more remote and there's like nothing but weeds, you know, and I hadn't gotten to anybody's farm or anything yet. And I just started getting like, what am I, what am I going to just show up and say I'm here? You know, so <laughs> I turned around. But, I'm here. I um, want to watch you. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, we'll just sit right here and watch you. But it was really interesting. It was interesting to live there too, though, in that small rural town, because I feel like there were some customs and things from the friends that I met there that um, that were shared by the Amish. So I wonder sometimes if the, some of the culture, the, the types of things were intermixed a little bit. Well, after 12 or so years in in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. God led you guys back to Virginia, but it wasn't back to Virginia Beach. How did he orchestrate that for you? That was pretty amazing how he led us back. My husband had wanted to come back to Virginia. He he didn't do well living in um, the weather in Northwestern Pennsylvania. It's there very few blue, I call them blue sky days, very few blue sky days and winter pretty much lasts for six months there. So mm. it was really hard for him. He dealt with a lot of, uh, struggled a lot with that and was always looking to move back to Virginia. Um, and then, and finally he came to the realization that, you know what, if God wants us here, this is where I'm going to retire. This is where I'll be Lord. And then uh, God opened a door for him to work at, at Liberty Online. So he, Liberty University Online. So he was still working at his state school in um, Pennsylvania, but then had some extra classes he was taking with Liberty University Online. He was teaching. And then, um, and then he found out there was an opening for the, a film school. In their film school, there was an opening. At the same time, I was about ready to start working again. I had been a stay-at-home mom for 20 years. The last five of those years, I was working as a web uh, web writer, web designer with my own home business, freelancing. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember Michael saying, well, he said, why don't you look at their job board and see if there's anything that for you? And I looked and there was a web content specialist position and I looked through all the things that I needed for that job. And I was like, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Because of what I went and went ahead and stepped forward and did as a stay-at-home mom, you know, starting my own business, I had enough experience to be able to do well in the interview and get that job. Scott opened the door for me, but got the job before your husband, right? I did. I got hired before he did. <laughs> and we were like, what happens if I'm the only one that gets hired? And he was like, well, just cross that bridge when we come to it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I was, whenever he went down to interview, I actually went down and met my team, you know, who I was going to work with. And then you moved. And then we moved. Yeah. In a week and a half, uh, we had to move out of our house. And that was crazy. I, I called every friend I knew texted every friend I knew and asked them to come help. I mean, I'm like, not, I am going to be uh, clear. I need help. I remember oh my, my brother gosh. saying, I will come and help you if you really need it. I said, I really need it. And so he and his wife came and helped paint and just so many things we needed to do. It was a five bedroom house on 10 acres with a barn. And, and you had to be had to leave move in a week and a half. 
Wow. A week and a half. Yeah. That's probably a God story on itself. Oh, it was. <laughs> we were going to a church right there right then that we were, my husband and I were both media directors at the church. So we were very involved. And so, so many helping hands came and helped us you know, pack that truck and everything. It was, yeah, so many stories involved in how God got us from Pennsylvania to Virginia in a blink of an eye. It was probably a little difficult leaving that family, that community of the church that had been so close. And then, you know, moving to middle of Virginia, of course, you're moving to a university community. So, yeah. you know, there's going to be something there for you as well. Transition's always hard. How did your kids take mm-hmm. it? It was interesting. They they did okay. My one son was at first going to have some difficulties. I think he was coming in as a uh, high school junior. So that's, oh, yeah. yeah, think about that. But something happened at the school that he was going to in Pennsylvania. He's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> come on. Um, and one of my sons, oh my goodness, he did not want to go. And he's like, he was, he was college age. He was supposed to be going to college. And he was like, I'm just going to go to a state school. You know, I don't, I'm not really into going there. And we we're like, okay. And then he never did, you know, never did what he was needed to do to go to the state school. He came and he's like, well, I'll stay for just a little bit. He said, but I'm going to go to this other school. I'm going to transfer out. So he comes and he receives just an experience with God. And today mm. he's a missionary now. Really? Uh, it was a youth pastor. Yes. And now is a missionary and um, just had total transformation. So God used that. God used our obedience and coming down to Liberty to change his life. You know, he, he definitely was going in a totally different direction, went to Liberty, met some good friends, met the Lord and became actually mm. he studied, ended up changing his major to religious studies and got the full Bible experience there at Liberty and, oh, and the uh, Pentecostal experience too, because he he hung with that crowd when we yeah. visited the so. Wow. Well, God is mm-hmm. so faithful. You know, all that God showed you in Pennsylvania was percolating, still percolating inside of you. And mm-hmm. you're, you know, busier than ever as a mom of a five now and mm-hmm. uh, a new job. Mm-hmm. So what actually happened that convinced you to take the huge step of writing a book on top of yeah. all of that? There were a couple times um, when I was in Pennsylvania when I felt like the Lord said, you know, it was at one time I was at church and I walked, went forward. I think I went forward for prayer about my blog or something. I don't know. And the pastor says, you know, you're supposed to write a book. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, my blog. He's like, no, you're supposed to write a book. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to write a book. And I actually started when I was in Pennsylvania. I felt like I had read so many Amish fiction books that I could write one. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't live next door to the Amish. I don't live across. I don't have an Amish best friend. Like some of the, you know, the top Amish authors have, are able to say, I just love reading about them. And I, and I wanted to write. So I started a book about a young Amish writer. And I was telling you earlier, it was funny because it, I started it, but it was taking a long time, you know, as a mother of five freelancing, working from home, I would, you know, write a little bit here, three months later, write a little bit there. So I had this one scene that I had written where um, my character, Johanna Yoder, is swinging on this wooden swing that was tied to an old oak tree over the rushing, I forget the name of the river, but it's a river in northwestern Pennsylvania. And I um, wrote that scene and then just bit life happened and, you know, didn't write for a while. And then I remember thinking, I need to get her off that swing. (laughs) <laughs> I need to find out what what happens. She is still on that swing. Okay, fast forward. We're now living in Virginia and I'm working full time and um, trying to still work on this novel, you know, kind of maybe someday kind of thing. 
And he challenged me and he said, how long does it take you to write a page? And I said, well, you know, I was writing pretty slow at the time. I said, probably a, a half, a half hour. He said, okay, I challenge you to write a half hour a day and, you know, basically to write a page a day. And I was like, okay. And so I started doing that. And actually we carved it into my time right after work. We had a little bit of time when, before he was done with work. So I had, I stayed working and I, in my little cube at Liberty, I would stay working and start working on my novel. I remember people, my boss would be like, okay, you going home soon? And I'd be like, oh, I'm working on my book. So I would write a half hour a day. And what I found is once I started doing that, it was consistently in my mind. I was consistently thinking about the story so that it wasn't so hard the next day because I was just in the story the day before. Or sometimes I'd be taking a walk and I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's write, you know, and I start dictating into my phone the next scene and then emailing it to me. Um, so it was just something that became part of my life. And um, I, I was a little surprised, actually, when I finished. I was like, oh, it's it's done. I finished. And then after that, I wanted to be traditionally published. So I worked really hard at finding an agent, landed an agent who um, actually had an Amish background himself in his family lines. Last name was Yoder, which is the name of my <laughs> main character's last name. I remember when that email came in from him. And it was funny because I got it. I was working. We have a morning huddle every day before work where all of our team members gather together and I just had flashed open my email before huddle. And I saw that I got an email response back from him when I had given him a portion of my manuscript to read. I think I gave him the whole thing. And he, uh, he hit the very beginning subject line was like, Deborah, I read your book. And, and I was like, I, I cannot open this right now. You know? And so I'm like <laughs> in the middle of huddle, we're talking and we finish it. And then I think I told some of my friends, I'm like, I just got a response from that agent, the one that I really want. And I don't, I'm scared to open it. And so my, one of my coworkers, she's like over my shoulder. She's like, you got to open it. And I was like, oh. so I opened it and it said, I read your book and I loved it. And then he wow. went on to talk about it. And I was like, oh. I'm like carrying my computer around to like people at work and my executive director, I'm in his office. Look at this email. It was just exciting. And I think it's exciting for other people too. That's what I think yeah. about, you know, in this journey when a lot of people have come up to me, like just amazed that um, I was able to finish this big thing. But I think it's because they have a big thing, you know, that they haven't done yet or they want to do. And when they see somebody who has done a big thing, they're encouraged to do their big thing. And I have, I have, I have preached that half hour a day to so many authors, you know, well, I just don't have time. I'm like, do you have a half hour? What can you cut out of your life that you don't need to do? You know, maybe that series you're watching, you know, whatever, a half hour of it. Dedicate that to your book or your creative pursuit, art or music or whatever you're working on. And, you know, getting an agent, that's that's no small feat. I mean, mm -hmm. that really had to, how many agents did you approach? And I'm sure you had your prayer partners praying fervently for, for that. Yeah. I had some rejections that were really hard to take, but God was there with me through that too. And, and I realized though, now that the rejections that I've had, I'm glad I didn't go down that path because mm -hmm. of, you know, the things that I see now or where he's leading me now. I'm like, if, if I had gone down this path, I wouldn't be here. You know, I wouldn't have this, this path I'm going on now. So yeah. So God was good. directing it even mm -hmm. Even though you didn't have all the information, you know, that's the mm -hmm. wonderful thing about God. He sees the future that we don't see mm -hmm. and he directs us around the 
problems and the snares that the enemy would try to put for us, even in mm-hmm. things like publishing a book. I mean, right. you know, it's, it's, it may not be your salvation, but mm-hmm. you write books that actually have spiritual messages woven mm-hmm. into them. Yeah. So you know, they really could, could really speak oh, to definitely. someone like that movie spoke to you mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, these yeah. books are very similar. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a modern parable mm-hmm. that can definitely. open the door to Christ for someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely. And, and I think even as a writer, sometimes I feel a little guilty. I'm like, well, shouldn't I be, you know, writing nonfiction, spiritual books, you know, about Bible verses and things. And I'm thinking but that's not the path that God has for me, has me here. And actually I call it a writing ministry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am writing and, and you're talking to people. I'm marketing. I'm working. I have a Facebook group, Amish book friends of Deborah Torres author. I send them a Bible verse every morning and and they're reading my books. I mean, I went to a, a author event this summer and this one woman came up to me and she said, you know, my daughter died this summer or whatever recently. And she said, and I was reading your book at the time. And she said, mm. and it really helped me. And I thought, what? My story? My story helped you? You know, but yeah, that, those are incredible things when people come up and talk to you about how your book really meant something to them. Well, on your author website, it, it says you write Amish fiction that's real, raw, and compelling. How has your faith in the experiences of your life shaped those stories so that they are real, raw, and compelling? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be some truth behind some of those things for them to yeah. feel authentic. Well, that was my desire, and that was one of the reasons that uh, Drew attracted my agent to me, was that I didn't want to write surface-level Amish fiction that was feel-good and, you know, everybody, everything's rosy. Uh, what do they call that? The happily ever after kind of kind of effect. I wanted to write something that really touched people's hearts where they could say, oh, that's me, you know, or that happened to me, or something similar. Of, I've had that pain, too. And then, you know, have God take that character through it and to him through it and and growing in Christ because of it and becoming something even greater because of the challenge and trials or relationships issues that they went through. There are some tough things that my characters experience that I experienced too. And I can't really go into, you know, all of that right now, but, um, but definitely there are personal things in it. In fact, just even lighter things, you know, my, my daughter read my book. She's a college student right now and she read it and she's like, mom, there's so much of us in this book, you know, <laughs> um, well, just little things, you know, that I weaved into it. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> How can you not put yourself in your story? As a busy mom with a God inspired vision, what advice do you have for other women who don't see how their vision will ever become a reality? I mean, you, you talked about encouraging writers to write half hour a day, but mm-hmm. what about women who have other visions that they just mm-hmm. can't, you know, they don't see it on the horizon? Well, I think it translates really to anything, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, if you want to be an artist, you want to be a potter, you want to be a glass maker or glass blower, whatever, learning those things. Now, even like, let's say you have newborns, you know, and, and I know having those newborns, it's exciting and fun, but there's part of your brain that's like, ah, oh, I want to do that thing too. You know, there are times, you know, but it's, 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 it's a disciplined walk, you know, when the child is taking a nap or, you know, something like that is when you can maybe have that 15 minutes, 15 minutes a day, whatever, 
of time for your thing, your creative pursuit. Even if it's just like I did at the time, whenever my kids were really little, is I just would learn how to write. I'd get books on how to write. I, you know, I, I got to the point where I was done learning how to write. You can, you, <laughs> can, you know, yeah, I can just do that and never write, you know. When the time was right and when there was a little bit more time, you know, I was able to incorporate writing into my day to day. So you're really preparing yourself even mm-hmm. while the Lord was preparing you with all the experiences mm-hmm. he had in your family and in your life, mm-hmm. you were also doing what you knew how to do to prepare mm-hmm. for that vision God had in you. It's disciplined because it, it's, you know, when you're a mom, there's just, I just want to sleep or I just want to, you know, eat or I just want to, but it, it's disciplined in spending that time on your creative pursuits or whatever God has you to do. So what are some of the foundational truths or practices that have kept you grounded and growing in your faith through the challenges, the ups and downs of life. I mean, you've mentioned that there have been some, you're not really can't talk about them yet, but Mm -hmm. all of us have those things that we're Mm -hmm. pressing through. What's kept you grounded? Yeah. Well, definitely reading that chapter a day (laughs) (laughs) way back the word of God, uh, you know, hearing the word of God, fellowshipping. And, um, and also I think talking to people who are, um, maybe a little, maybe a little bit farther along than me on my, in my faith journey, you know, finding that mentor person in your life, that person that, um, you know, you, wow, I wish I could be like her, you know, or, or just, just spend a little time with her, maybe reaching out to her and saying, you know, can we talk on the phone sometimes or, you know, whatever you, you can do if you're, you know, home with small children, maybe you can't run out and, you know, get coffee or something, but even a, a talk on the phone can really encourage you and um, encourage you in your faith. Cause you know, those like Jody's saying, those people all have their own story. How did they grow so deep in Christ? Well, probably because they've been through some pain yeah. and, um, and probably that's the person you want to talk to is someone who's been through some pain. Yeah. So. There's a lot of depth there. As we wrap up, Deborah, can you share about a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something and how maybe your story compares with hers. I mean, you know, when I read the Bible, I see myself in a, in a lot of it. And mm-hmm. uh, what about you? I help lead a Bible study for um, young girls. I have a, a young, young teen and we lead, we lead a Bible study and we met with them this summer and we said, what do you guys want to do? You know, we've, we've been through a, a book We've been through, uh, we're working through the book of Ephesians. And so in the summer, we said, what do you guys want to do for this upcoming year? And they said, "Uh, we want to study a person in the Bible. We want to be focused on people of the Bible. I'm like, okay, you know, we'll do that. So we're going to start focusing on that. So so I guess I'm working through Esther right now, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've read Esther so many times. This is my first time reading Esther in the message version. And, um, you know, that whole thing, you know, when Mordecai, you know, says, you know, don't, don't think that this isn't going to impact you either, you know, the, you, and you may be here for such a time as this. And, you know, I think about that for my life and for, you know, the work that I'm doing that, you know, maybe God has me doing this for such a time as this, you know, whatever in someone's life, you know, in Susie's life, you know, it means a lot to her that she's reading, reading some stories that really impact her and draw her closer to Christ through the, through story. My audience actually is, uh, older women, probably my age, but, um, women, you know, 40 and up. So I get a lot of range of people who are um, 
who are in different paths of their faith. And some of them just have a lot of time and, and, and want those and are attracted to those reads where they can, um, not have a lot of, a lot of bad stuff and um, yeah. drawn closer to God in through story. So if I can help them help somebody, if I know one person, you know, through my stories, then I have uh, accomplished such a time as this, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. Thank you, Deborah. And, you know, like Deborah, I love discovering the truths hidden in God's word. Psalm 78, one through four says, Oh, my people listen to my instruction. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden things from your past, stories you've heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about the power and his mighty wonders. God so often teaches us through the stories of others through ancient stories and modern parables, like what Deborah's writing, and through the lives we've talked about, the lives of, of others as well, because he wants us and he wants others to know him. So when we share our story with others, whether it's in a fictional portrayal or whether it's the real raw story of our lives, it shows others that God is at work in us and through us. And God has treasure stored up in you, dear friends, that he's eager to draw out for his glory. If you'll faithfully pursue his kingdom first, he will bring about all the good things he has in store for you, just like he's done for Deborah. Mm -hmm. uh, Deborah, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who listens to your God story? Father, we just thank you for all the people who are listening, God, to this podcast, who are listening now and who will listen, Father. We just pray you bless their lives, Lord. You would encourage them, Father God. And Lord, I just speak um, life, Father God, to that um, whatever it is, God, that you've laid in their heart, that extra thing, Father, that creative pursuit or, or whatever, God, that area of interest that you've put in their hearts, Lord. I pray, Father, for comfort for our sisters in Christ, Lord, as they wait for the right time in their lives to pursue it. I pray for creative ways to add um, elements of that thing into their life now if they're busy with families and young children or other things, God. And I pray for an opening of the doors, Father God, when the right timing happens for them to pursue that thing, when they have the time, Lord, and the capability to do it, you would give them the courage to walk mm -hmm. through that door, God, as you open it, Lord. I just thank you, Father God, for open doors in your timing, in your way, uh, for each person listening, God, we thank you for them, Lord, and what, um, how precious each one of them is to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. Links to Deborah's website and books, as well as scriptures and other helpful information, can be found in our show notes at hergodstory.org. And there you can also sign up for periodic emails. You can get a free Her God Story devotional, and you can find out about Somebody Cares Widows and Orphan Fund. If you need prayer, feel free to call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. We're going to have Deborah's website there where you can find out about her book series and also a new book that's coming out that she's co-writing for Christmas. So check out her website so you can see what she's doing. 
We'd love for you to share Deborah's story with friends and be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing taken from Colossians 1, 9 through 12. May God fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.